Good stuff, Steve. I appreciate you, fellas. Gifted, but using their talents, gifts, and abilities for the Lord. I love it. And the rest of the band, too, huh? Praise the Lord. And two of those guys are brand new today, getting the feel for the band, uh, the drummer and the bass player. Praise the Lord for you guys stepping in and stepping up, helping us out. Hope the Lord de develops that relationship on out. I'm excited about that. <clears throat> today, we will continue in Revelation. Uh, last week, I had intended to preach uh, through uh, 17 through 20, but only got 17 and 18. <laughs> so today we'll start in 19, and uh, we'll go from there, and we'll see how far we get. I do have an exciting message for it. Well, it was exciting to me. Um, I love it when the, when the Word of God just opens up and just flows out to you, and you can just grab it as it's coming out, and you're trying as fast as you can to take it in, but it's like the Lord's just downloading so much. You're like, hold on, Lord. Slow down a little bit. Hold on, Lord. I can't, I can't catch it all. You ever do that? I hope you do. If you open and read the scriptures, then it will happen. Maybe you just need to read a little longer. Maybe you just need to read a little slower, uh, but it will happen because the Word of God is living, active, uh, it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is, actually, uh, it, it is actually doing something to you when you are reading it. And it, it will show you, it will lead you, it will, guide, it will speak to you as you read the Word of God. So I'm excited about that. Today, as we cover, and I wouldn't have thought all of this was wrapped up in just two verses, but I probably will only get to preach on two verses today, 19 and 20. If we get into chapter 2 a little bit, uh, we'll, we'll see. That'll be fine. But I'm thinking 19 and 20 because there's a lot of backdrop, a lot of history, uh, and a lot of untangling of some ideas that we need to get through in verses 19 and 20. I know it doesn't look that way, but... As we get there, you'll see what I'm talking about. Today, what we're going to be talking about <clears throat> is we're going to be talking about legacy, okay? We're going to be talking about legacy. What, what are you doing in your families? Some of you have children. Some of you don't have children. Some of you have grandchildren. Uh, we, what are you doing in your families? What is your goals as you uh, love your children, as you love your wife, as you love your husband? What are your goals for that relationship? Okay. Now, many of you say goals. I'm just trying to make it through today. But that's not good. It's not okay. It is a reality. I'll acknowledge that. It is a reality. I mean, not in our relationship, babe. You know, I mean, we're solid, you know. But it is a reality that we go over humps and bumps and it gets rough and, and there's rocky waters, you know, and we have to figure out some of those times. And sometimes it might get to where we're trying to last through the day. But men of God, and I hate to hit you so hard all the time, but I just believe that you're the leader of the family. And if something's going wrong, you need to be the one smacked upside the head, okay? That's just what I feel. Now, a lot of you women doing crazy stuff, you need to knock it off. But men, you will be responsible for even the actions of your family when you stand before God. I ain't got time to get into all that. But today, we will talk a little bit about legacy because you don't need to be looking just for today, but you need to be looking for what's coming down the road. Because one day, your son is going to be probably a husband. Your son is going to be a daddy. And what are you implanting in him right now? What are you leading him in, teaching him in, training him in, giving him words of wisdom in? How are you equipping him in order to be who God's called him to be? Because if you don't, 
and he fails, then you will answer for part of that. Do you understand that's the word of God? So what are you going to do about it? So we're going to talk about a little bit about legacy today. We're also going to talk about guardian angels. You're like, what? Are there guardian angels? Are there guardian angels for each individual person, uh, Christian? Are there, are there individual guardian angels like that? You've seen the TV shows and how Hollywood has done all these things, and we don't know what to believe. We don't know what to believe about angels. I mean, most people, when you say angel, they see a, a short, chubby dude with a diaper sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Sorry. It's not really what angels are like at all. Don't even know where that came from, really. But we're going to talk a little bit about angels. We'll talk also about the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus Christ, and just how he guards and protects those whom he loves and how he equips them for the work of the ministry and how he is leading them to leave a legacy. So there's a lot, lot in these two verses, right? There's a lot in there. What I want you to do today, men of God and women of God, I want you to put your listening ears on. I want you to cry out to the Lord to give you understanding. I hate the thought. I hate the thought of all of the hours of preparation that I've put in reading and listening and praying and reading that it would just go out here to tickle your ears and make you feel good and maybe get a laugh out of you. I want and I'm praying and I'm pleading with you to not hear the words of some guy who might be funny at times, but to hear the word of God. And let it come inside of you. Take it in, as Ezekiel said. Eat this scroll and it will be sweet, but it will also be bitter because it's going to do work in here. I pray that you would take the word of God. This is, you say, why is he telling me this? I'm going to hear it the same either way. No. You see, because, and this is what we'll talk about today too. What's going on here is not just me physically vibrating my vocal cords to go in and these sounds hit off of your eardrums and for it to be then processed by your brain for you to then think about and then forget about later. It's not all that's going on here. But what's going on here is a download of spiritual power. Jesus Christ says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. This is, a, this is something that happens. And what I am asking you to do is go into spiritual warfare right now. I am up here helping you to sharpen your sword. As I speak, it should be going, shing, shing, shing. And you will be more prepared out there to defeat the enemy when he comes your way because he is crouching at your door if you didn't know. He is crouching at your door. Some of you know better today than you did yesterday or that you did last month or that you did last year. I am telling you to call out to the Lord in your soul and ask him to strengthen you with power in the inner man through the Spirit of God. This is a supernatural thing that's about to happen here and has been happening this morning. We are going to get into the supernatural realm, not of just information but of supernatural empowerment that will cause you 
and lead you to be powerful men and women of God if you will accept the word of God and let it be written on your hearts. Let me pray over this word before we get any farther. Jesus, I ask God that you would make, uh, that you would make your word real to us. Not that it would be for our ears only, but for our heart and our mind as well. That we would be transformed by the renewal of our minds. That it would cause us to become more conformed to the image of the Son. That it would sanctify us, that we would be closer to you, and that we would be one even as you are one. May this be a supernatural act and not a physical one. In Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Could somebody grab me a bottle of water? My voice is giving me a, a, a fit. <clears throat> All right, we're going to read. If you would stand up for the reading of, of God's word out of, out of respect and adoration. Revelation chapter 1, we're going to start back in verse 17, and I read through 20. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Verse 19. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated. <clears throat> so it seems like a rather straightforward text here that, that we can just take and, yeah, okay, and then move on. But <clears throat> with such a with such a jacked up cultural understanding of angels and all of these things, I felt as if we need to kind of take a step back and we need to look at what the scriptures teach about angels and how they represent churches or if they represent churches or people. Do we have guardian angels? Who are these letters to when it says the lamp stands? Uh, when, are these, uh, when, are, when is this information given? Thank you, John. When is this information given? Uh, what is it about? When is it? How is it? What? What is it? So let's start in verse 19 and let's just unpack this, these verses uh, a little bit as we go. So John has saw this vision of Christ and, and, and he says that, uh, that turning, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. So John in his vision sees Jesus Christ standing in the midst of the lampstands who we understand through this verse, these two verses, are the seven churches. The churches uh, in plural, this is a representation of all the churches. So Christ is the one in the midst of the churches, and Christ is the one who has eyes like fire. He has, he has white wool hair, which, which signifies wisdom and, and sovereignty and kingship and power. He has the golden sash, which is reminding us of the tabernacle system in, in that he is representative of the king of kings, but also the great high priest. So Christ is our king priest who intercedes for us and goes before the Lord for us in wisdom and power. He sees right through all of our junk, and he helps us to understand exactly who he is, which helps us to understand who we are. And when John sees this vision, it absolutely incites fear, intrepidation, and worship. He's laid out, which is we should understand this as power. Power and pure, unadulterated perfection. Purity. 
of the greatest kind. You see, this is what causes us to fall to the ground. It's not the power like dunamis. It's not like power that way, which he does have that kind of power, but it's his purity. Our fear radiates out of his purity and his righteousness and his obedience. For we are sinful and disobedient, and he should kill us. So when we see him, we poof. But we see that Christ reaches down his right hand, the right hand of fellowship, the right hand of power, the right hand of authority, and he, and he strengthens John with the gospel. With the gospel. He reminds him that it is, that it is he who died that lived and died, and now he lives forevermore, which brings us to the resurrection. And through his resurrection, he has the keys of death and Hades, which enables us to have trust. And we don't have to fear anymore. Now, the verses that come right after this help us to understand the, the, the sequence of these prophecies, the sequence of these visions, and the things that are to take place. Now, many, <clears throat> and I don't have time to get into all the interpretive models of Revelation, but many see Revelation as already taken place. This is called a preterist view. It's already taken place. All that's already happened, and it was all fulfilled at the destruction of the temple in AD 70, and all of this is past tense. Others uh, think that this is kind of a super spiritual type ordeal, and they say, well, none of this is actually going to take place. It's all just significant or pictures of things that are taking place, and, and none of it's actual reality in that way, but it's, it's just spiritualized everything. And it says, well, it's like this, but it's not actually going, these things aren't actually going to take place. Another view is, is that all of this is future. This is a futurist view. And so they would say that all of this stuff is coming down the road sometime and we've got to be on guard because we need to be ready when it happens you know this is all eschatological or end times type teaching and this is the only way that we can understand it but John here in, in, ver, in chapter 1 verse 19 says actually I'm going to write to you the things I have seen the things that are and the things that will take place soon after this so you see here that John automatically shows us that he's talking about things that's already happened Things that's happening right now and things that will happen. So this book covers the spectrum of time in which we are in right now. So when people say, oh, the end's getting near, the end is here. It's already been inaugurated. You see, this is the already not yet uh, aspect of Scripture and the divine revelation is that the kingdom of God has already been inaugurated. It's already been begun. The beginning of the end is already here. And the end of the beginning is already here. You see, we say, well, it's been 2,000 years. Well, that's a drop in the bucket to the Lord. It might seem a long time to you, but, you know, three weeks sometimes feels long to me if I'm waiting on a good movie to come out. A thousand years is nothing to the Lord. It's a drop in the bucket. So we've got to be very careful on end times. And you see all these guys who are uh, predicting when, and they're saying 2,000, 2,000, Y2K. Well, that was a bust. Who's falling apart? Well, January 1st is like, well, I'm, what I meant to say was, we don't know when the end is coming. The, the point of the whole thing, when Jesus Christ talks about uh, being ready for the end and the end is near, he's right. 
The end is near. It is near. And we need to be ready. This is the push of the scriptures that you live every minute as if it were your last. We get so complacent and we just think, oh, it'll wait till tomorrow. Oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, my children have this problem. It's no big deal. Yeah, I have that problem. Yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah, I never read the Bible to my children. It's no big deal. I'll do it one day. And you turn around and they're 20 and they have no idea who God is in complete rebellion. And you yourself and me, we say, oh, I'll get into the word tomorrow. I'll become who God wants me to be tomorrow. Tomorrow is one of the worst days that was ever created. True story. Children dying, marriages fail tomorrow. Live today as if it was your last. Let the Lord worry about tomorrow. Well, he says here, he says, Right therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place. So John is writing here the things that he's already seen. And remember, this is John who also wrote in 1 John. He said, the things that I have seen, the things that I have heard, the things that I have witnessed, I now pronounce to you that my joy may be made complete. This is John who he's seen the Lord. He walked with the Lord. And there are some things that have already taken place that he is writing about. There are some that are in the midst that he is going through right now, which brings us back to, to verse 9. He says, I, John, your brother and partner in tribulation in the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus Christ. He says, right now, the, the tribulation has already begun. Now, it will be in a sense, see, some, one section of theologians, they, they say, well, everything's going to get worse until it finally is destroyed. Okay? Everything's going to get worse until it's finally destroyed. A whole nother set of theologians is saying, well, everything's going to get better until it's finally restored. Everything's going to continue to get better. Evangelism will happen. The kingdom will grow until it's finally restored. We say yes. Everything is getting better. I mean, yeah, better for the believers. Everything's getting worse for the unbelievers, spiritual and physical. And we've got to make a distinction between the spiritual and the physical in so much that Jesus Christ is bringing restoration spiritually to the physical. And the way that he brings restoration to the physical is the destruction of sin and, and, and shame and pain and all other things. This is what he's talking about. There are things that have already taken place we can't go back and do, but we should teach and learn and grow from those. There are things that are happening right now that we need to use in our preparation and training our children, but there are things that come, and if we don't talk about them, we won't be ready for them. We've got to look for the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So moving on from there, he says, Write therefore the things that, that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place. And all I say on that is, is that this book and you as a believer should understand that we should be looking for the end times now, but understanding that we are pressing on now to the end, and you need to live every minute of every day as if it is your last, looking to Jesus Christ, doing spiritual warfare so that tomorrow will be better for those who come after us. Are you concerned about those who come after us? Daddies, do you love your wife more because you love your children? 
Do you understand the decisions that you make today regarding your wife will absolutely affect your children today and tomorrow? Are you like Christ? And this is a point, this is kind of a side point looking at this from a side perspective. John is writing the things that he is being shown, and this is covering a, a, a wide spectrum of time. <clears throat> but what I want you to see is that Jesus Christ is equipping his people. Jesus Christ is equipping his people and his children by giving them information that will make them ready for those things that will come. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not so much in what he's saying, but how he's saying it. Here's what I'm trying to say. Do you prepare your children and your wife, and do you prepare yourself? Do you train as if you really are in spiritual warfare? Do you train? Do you get into the Word of God? Do you prepare for the things that's coming? You see, many of us, we, we're, we're so concerned with just having fun, or we're so concerned with, with, with what we feel and our emotions. We won't put aside the things that feel good today for what needs to be done for tomorrow. Do you prepare your children? Do you give them uh, words of encouragement? Do you give them words of wisdom like Jesus has given to John to give to us? Do you prepare them? Are you living life on purpose or are you just floating through? Do you give in to the whims? You see, Satan prowls around like a, like a roaring lion. He is looking to deceive you. He is looking to destroy you and your family. And all he's got to do for some of us is just let a, let a pretty girl walk by. Let a nice car ride by. Let a big truck ride by. And we're just, we're, we, we want to be on it. And Sunday after church, you're, you're excited to preach. You're done preached and got all sweaty. And the, and the worship band was on. You walk out the door and you're like, man, I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to read my Bible this week. I'm going to pray with my kids every day. I'm going to pray with my wife. We're going to be a family that is going to build the kingdom of God. I'm going to build a legacy. And when I'm dead and gone, my children will know who the Lord is. And they'll teach their children. And their children will teach their... Man, look at that Ford. Man, they, they will be warriors of God. Call of duty, what? You see, Jesus Christ, is he's giving John the word of God so that the children of God will be prepared. We're not doing that anymore. You want to know why our nation is going crazy? It's because parents didn't teach their children about God. You think I'm kidding? You think I'm crazy? No. They, they call wicked. They, call, they don't just say, you know, well... <coughs> You know, he's, he's having a struggle. He's doing bad things, I know, but he's human. You know, he makes mistakes. They don't, they're not doing that anymore. They're not doing that anymore. Now they're saying, you leave him alone. That's righteous. You see, they have, they have moved past looking over sin. They have moved past that to where now they're calling sin righteousness. And, it, and let me tell you something. The day is coming and it's here. And it's here in many places. When you say that that is wrong and this is right, is that you will be the one that is wrong. And you will be the one that will pay the price. You will be the one that is evil. You see, uh, 
abortion, homosexuality, this whole trans transgender nonsense, all of this, there are in colleges. It is illegal. It is, it is against the rules for the students to use specific gender identity titles. You cannot say he or she anymore. You have to say they. In Canada, there are professors that are facing being fired because they will not call whatever that thing is an it or a they. Read an article last week, week before. This guy's not even a Christian, but he said, I refuse to have my right to the freedom of speech hindered because this guy wants to be called a girl. It's coming. It's coming. And if you do, you think I'm crazy. I'm kidding. You think that's too hard of a subject to talk on? Homosexuality is wrong. It just is a sin. I say it with no apologies. If you struggle with that, I'm sorry. I'll pray for your release from the bondage of sin. I have my own struggles. Mine's sin too. Transgender is silly. You got so many chromosomes. And they dictate my three-year-old, four-year-old, he understands. He's got a thing and she don't. <laughs> LRA is different. Where's LRA's thing? She don't have one, son. She's a girl. <laughs> oh, okay. This ain't rocket science, folks. And while that may be a little funny, hey, do we got the Heather cam? While that may seem funny, literally, literally, there are people who are facing losing their jobs and how they pay their bills and feed their children because they, they think that you are doing something evil by just seeing what the three-year-old understands. I say all that looking at this from a side perspective that we've got to train our children. We've got to not, not yeah, we, they need to know what a boy and a girl is, but they're going to figure that out unless we train them otherwise. And not to train them in the scriptures is to allow the world to train them for you in the cultural truths and faiths that exist. And if you don't think secularism is a faith, you're crazy. It is a totalitarian system. It is a system that is crammed down your throats that if you don't accept it, you will be persecuted. It is insanity. Okay, but I digress. Jesus here is offering training Words of wisdom, uh, insights to what's coming. Do you prepare your children for what's coming down the road? Do you prepare them? Do you train them? Do you encourage them? But let's look here and see what we're, what, what, how he does this. He says, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. <clears throat> As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, here's where it gets pretty cool. Now, <clears throat> talking about legacy, let's go back here, okay? Are y'all following me? I feel like I'm a little bit all over the place. Y'all checking with me? You understand what I'm saying? We good? We good? Okay, okay. So here we have this idea that, that John is receiving visions that have, 
that have um, weight um, and significance for uh, different periods of time. The times that he has been in, the times that he's in, and the times that will come. Okay. Now, w- looking at that from the side perspective, we understand what Jesus Christ is doing by giving John this, ex- this extended uh, training that, that covers the spectrum of time. What he is doing is he is preparing believers to go through things and to be a, a certain type of person when these trials and tribulations come. We will get into that when we get into the letters in chapters 2 and 3 to the specific churches, right? So Jesus Christ is preparing the men and women of God in order to actively do and actively be sustained as they are persecuted for doing. So here's the deal. If we look at Christ's example, not the content of what he taught so much right yet, but we look at the actions that he took and what he did, we can look at his example and say, as men of God, as women of God, this is what we need to do for our children because our children are just like his children if we raise them in uh, the name of the Lord and if we raise up a child in the way that they should go, they won't depart from it. If we raise Christians, we need to let them know this is what's coming. This is how you stand true. This is what you do in this situation. And when they all come against you and it all falls apart, just know that he's the Alpha and the Omega. And I will suffer with you, son. You see... We don't just learn by what the content of the message is, but how the message is given. And so here what Jesus says is, he says, Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are take place. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven. So let's stop there for just a second. I want to talk about the mystery. What this does is, and I know that you wouldn't have gotten this, and I wouldn't have got it without some, without some deeper study, but that's what I'm here for, to help you out. And I'll just show you what God showed me. Is that he says, as to the mystery of the seven stars. This is more than just saying, well, let me tell you what that means. But we dig up under this, and we understand that when we go back to Daniel, Daniel talks about the mystery too. And he also talks about angels, and he also talks about stars. And, and as we... As we, as we take a step back and we understand what God has already taught us in the book of Daniel about angels and about mysteries and about stars, we start to go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. So that's how in one verse can be wrapped up all of this theology and all of this truth, okay? So here in this one little line, it says, uh, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, when Jesus directly... uh, Uh, reveals to us the mystery in and of this statement is the acknowledgement and the evidence that he is giving that Jesus Christ is Yahweh, that he is God. Because when we go back to Daniel, we're going to understand that the mystery was revealed in a different way. Now let's go back to Daniel chapter 2. We are going to read some of this because I think it's important. So go back to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to read a significant amount actually in two different places. Now, I know some of you, you come to me and say, when you start moving around, I just get lost. Well, if I start going too fast, just hold your hand up and just do like this. I'll slow down a little bit, okay? I just got a lot, and I want to, Robert, leave me alone. <clears throat> I just got a lot, and I want to give you as much as I can, but I don't want to choke you, so if you start to choke, just do like this or something. Okay, now, just hang on. We'll do one word at a time, Okay mystery. <clears throat> Daniel's going to talk to us about the mystery and about, about how it's revealed and how it's, how it's uh, clarified for us and how it's given. Listen to this. <coughs> Lord, help my voice. Daniel 
chapter 2, verse, we'll start in verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah. Michelle and Azariah, his companions. Now, what he went to make known is this declaration of Nebuchadnezzar that he was having this dream and no one was found to be able to interpret the dream. Uh, but, but it wasn't just the interpretation of the dream that, that Nebuchadnezzar wanted. In order to prove that it was a true interpretation, he had not told the dream to anybody. And so when these other magicians came, he said, tell me the interpretation. They said, okay, tell me the dream. He said, uh-uh. He said, if you truly understand it, if you're truly a powerful man of God or a truly a powerful prophet, you will know the dream and the interpretation. So they're like, we can't tell you, the, we don't know the dream. So they were, they were, they were full of, you know what? They were going to get the dream from him and then they could make up some silliness just to make him feel good. Well, there was another guy, Daniel, who came and listen to what Daniel says now. This is, this is perfectly in line. I couldn't believe it when I read it. Listen to this. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had said, I'm going to kill everybody if somebody doesn't tell me the dream or interpretation. Okay? Uh, and told them to seek mercy from God, uh, to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Now, you've got to understand that this is, this, is this, this is right in line, same word, mystery, talking about the end time visions, talking about the revelation that was given from God, the vision of the dream. All of this is in line. Listen to what he says. <clears throat> the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So he said, seek mercy, mercy from the God in heaven about this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So we need revelation of the mystery in order that we might not be destroyed. You see? So did John's people. They needed this revelation in order to, in order to escape destruction. Men and women of God, how does this apply to us? Is that your children need for you to reveal the mysteries of God that they won't be destroyed? Y'all quiet. I don't understand. Let's go on. This is so good. Listen. The God of heaven, seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, now I don't really need to read this because I need to skip on. I don't got time, but you need to hear because it's good as a word. Oh, listen to this. Blessed. This is Daniel's cry because, because God revealed it. How many of y'all love the revelation of God? Not just the book of Revelation, but God's revelation. How many of you are lying? <laughs> because this is what happens when we receive revelation. When we really receive it, we're like, yeah, I, love, I like the Bible. And I'm not calling all y'all liars that raised your hand. I'm so glad that you love the Bible. But when we receive revelation, and some of y'all might say, amen, preacher, that's what I'm talking about. When we receive revelation and the Lord opens it up for us, and it's not just reading words on a page. This is the type of song that we break out in. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my 
my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. How thankful are you for God's word? How, how excited are you to give it to your children? And I tell you, when you give your children the word of God, man, they come alive. They come alive. They really do. They really do. They come alive. Therefore, Daniel, <clears throat> therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch <clears throat> brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, not just Daniel's easier. Are you able to make known to me the dream? Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, listen, look for the word mystery. Listen to this. This is key. Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magician, magician, musicians, magicians, or astrolog astrologers, can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. No one can. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. All of this language is the same across the board. What would be after this? And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, now this is going to be important. <clears throat> this is going to be important. I'm running a little bit behind, but you can go ahead and play. Go ahead and play it. Well, no, it might be cool. Go, could you go ahead? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I love it. I love the freedom here. Hey, Devin, just, just, just a little bit of that. Now, this is going to be key because even God's man is not responsible for the revelation of the mystery. This is going to be key. Listen to what he says. But as for me, he said, only God can reveal mysteries. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. That's passive tense. Not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation might be, may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Jump back over to Revelation. Do you, you understand what he just said? I know this is a lot of information to get to one point, but it's, we need it. He says, as for the mystery of the seven stars, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands and the, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Jesus Christ is the God who just reveals. The revelation of Jesus Christ is the revelation of God himself. 
It is not a revelation that's been handed down to anyone, but by God himself, about God himself, to those who would acknowledge Jesus Christ as God. Now, the way that this information comes downhill, that this great God and Savior who is the Alpha and the Omega is revealing these things himself. He is the one that reveals mysteries. He is the one that goes before us. He is the one that is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end, and he is the one who will keep us in the day of persecution. Listen to this. As for the, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now, we understand that it's Jesus Christ who is giving us the revelation. He's giving the revelation directly to John. It's him giving it, giving it to him. Daniel says only God can do that. Jesus Christ, the one who is in the appearance of the Son of Man standing in the midst of the golden lampstands, is God who is giving this information. Now, when he gives this information, he says that he gives it to the seven stars that are in his right hand, who are the angels of the churches. Now, who are the angels of the churches? This is the question. And there are a few different understandings, but I'm not going to break all of that down. But I want to tell you which, which one I think. I'll give you the three. One is they're just human pastors. Because the word angel can just mean messenger too. In Greek, the word angel, it really just means messenger. Many times it's used, the majority of the time it's used for a heavenly being, uh, which is an angel like we think of. But many times, like of John the Baptist, it's used as he was called an angel of God, meaning that he's just a messenger of God. But, but there's another interpretation of this, and, and the reason that some people look for another interpretation is because the word angel is used 60 times in Revelation. And every single time, it is a heavenly being. Every time. Now, Robert and I was having this conversation the other day. We get into these rules of hermeneutics and exegesis. And if you want to take a word that has been used 60 times in one sense, and all of a sudden just apply another one because it doesn't fit your ideology, then you need to go back and check and make sure that there's plenty of evidence that means that it's not what it means everywhere else. Now, with that side note, here we go. So I wanted to know, but I'm going back and forth here because, because in chapter 2 he says, where he, he says to John, write therefore the things that uh, I have seen, the things that are and the things that are to come. Write therefore these things. And so he writes them to the, the seven stars that are the angels of the seven churches. And then he says, write to the angel of the church of Ephesus in the first letter. Well, my thing is you can't really write letters to angels. So it seems as if the interpretation of this being a human is kind of accurate. Because practically speaking, the, the, the Lord is telling John, write down what you see and send it to the messenger of the pastor over at Ephesus. So that he can then read it to his congregation and they can apply it. Okay? And so I was really leaning hard toward this being a human uh, messenger or pastor of the church. But there's another interpretation that says, well, no, this is, this is an, an angelic being, a heavenly being that is a representative of the church. And this is to that angelic being. And, and that angelic being is the one that is going to take it to the churches and, and help the churches to understand it. But we don't see that much in the New Testament at all. And we try to have a hard, we kind of have a hard time understanding that. And then another interpretation says that this is actually uh, both. 
that it is written to the angels, but it is to the churches, the angel of the church of Ephesus, the angel of the church of Smyrna or whatever else. And so I get looking and, and, and see, I was raised around here, just like most of you. So my understanding of angels, I've developed my, my understanding of angels through scriptures over time, but I've not spent a lot of time on it. So I'm going, well, <coughs> do people have representative angels? Do people really have guardian angels? I'd kind of dismiss that idea as just a cultural thing, right? How many of you believe that people, individuals, have guardian angels? A few of you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Not saying that I will. But how many of you believe that guardian angels is something Hollywood made up? A couple of you. A couple of you. Okay, so I'm going back and forth. I'm really just pleading with the Lord. I'm like, I don't, I don't know, Lord. I don't know what, what, because this matters. It matters how the information runs downhill. It matters how we uh, apply the information. So I'm saying, Lord, help me to understand. Is this, is this heavenly beings or human beings? What is this? And the Lord took me to Daniel again. Now, in order to understand this, and I wish I had about another hour and a half, but it, it won't take a ton of time. But in order to understand this, we need to look over at Daniel. Let me get my reference here. Daniel chapter 12. <clears throat> Here in Daniel chapter 12, he speaks of stars and he speaks of angels. If you look at Daniel chapter 12 verse 1, he says, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who is charge of your people. Michael, the great prince, or the, the archangel, this chief angel, who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a, a nation till that time. You see this? That Michael, the archangel, has charge of these people, and there's going to arise this great trouble like has never been before. But at that time, <clears throat> your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall, sh shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Here it is saints who are called stars. It is the saints who are called stars. But interestingly, did you see how Michael is the representative protecting angel over Israel? I never really paid that any attention before. Uh, also, in the book of Matthew 18.10, I never saw this before, but it says, when Jesus says, suffer not the little children to come unto me, for their angels are always watching their faces. I said, oh, hmm, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about that, so I did a little research. Did you know there are only two angels named in the scriptures? Most of you probably know them. Anybody know? Gabriel. And Michael, the only two angels, well, not fallen angels, the only two godly angels named in the scriptures, Michael and Gabriel. Did you know that Gabriel do, always does the same thing <clears throat> when he shows up on the scene? He always does the same thing. Anybody know what it is? What? He announces. 
he gives information. He reveals. He was the one there when uh, John the Baptist's dad uh, heard about him. He was there when Mary uh, was going to have a baby. Gabriel announces this information. He gives and, 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 share, and sheds light on information. Michael is a different kind of angel. He's actually an archangel, which is a chief angel, and he commands armies. And when he shows up, he's always fighting in protection of Israel, in protection of the people of God. <clears throat> well, check this out. They actually work together. They actually work together. In Daniel chapter 10. Now, I'm going to read a little bit of this. I'm not going to read too much. We're getting kind of toward the end of my time, but I'm going to take a little extra. Here we go. Listen to what he says. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the, month, of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like Burel, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when I had spoken this word to and when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from this uh, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. Your words matter. Your prayers matter. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael... One of the chief princes came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came, to, and, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to the words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one of the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to the one who stood before me, O oh my Lord, by reason the vision pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. And uh, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come? But now return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who will contend by my side except, the, except Michael, 
your prince. You see this archangel. Gabriel came to give information, but Michael went to fight in order that Gabriel could could give the information. And then the Lord showed up and strengthened him. So we see clearly through the scriptures that there are angels who are representative of God's people, who are watching over God's people, who are strengthening them and giving them encouragement and lifting them up. You know, I, I, I tend to just put this to the side because I'm a very practical person. And my pragmatic mind wants to say, oh, that's just silly. We just need to study the word. We need to do what we're supposed to do. But if we fail to realize that we are in a spiritual battle, if we fail to realize that there is warfare going on that's bigger than me and bigger than you, then we will be destroyed. You see, God in all of his power has sent angels even to you in order to keep you in the day of struggle. He has sent the Holy Spirit to you in order to keep you and to strengthen you and to lead you. He himself has come. For Psalm 34, 7 said, It is the angel of the Lord that encamps about his people, and he will keep them from being destroyed. You see, the angels is left open-ended. Nobody's going to yell and scream at you if you say, well, that's the pastors of the church. It's just very practical. But there is nobody that can tell me that the Scripture doesn't bear out the possibility that these are angelic beings that are representative of each church. (laughs) And you know what? As the Scripture teaches me, that there are angels that fight on behalf of Israel, and we're true Israel. There are angels who fight on behalf of the church. There are angels who are looking at the individual faces of the children, that there are angels who are sent to give us encouragement and and to help us in our day of struggle. I'm like, praise the Lord. Send them on. I need all the help I can get. But here's the practical application of that. Whatever you come to on that specific point, here is the underlying principle that doesn't change whether you understand it to be a heavenly being or a pastor. Is that the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, who is God, is revealing truth to the messengers of the churches that are representative represented by lampstands here. He stands in the midst of the church. He gives information and power to the church to strengthen them for the day of battle. And we are calling you to be conformed to the image of the Son. You see, you are the messenger that He has placed in your home in order to guard your children in order to guard your families, in order to love your wife. And if you fall asleep on the job, then they will suffer. If you lay down on the job, if you let your whims and passions get a hold of you and you leave your family, then you will be held responsible. And all the angels will cry out in joy when you pay for that crime. I don't know how else to say it. God, help me to always be steadfast. Please protect me from myself and from my silly, pity desires because not one of you, not one of you is above temptation. And therefore, men and women of God, I did not lie to you when I told you that the most powerful place that you can be is on your face because every one of us 
every one of us, we need every helping hand we can possibly get. But here, <coughs> here's where we'll end it. As we all stand to our feet. The praise that we give is that for those of you who are truly born again, men and women of God, those that Ephesians 1 says have been predestined in love before the foundations of the world, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and it will never be blotted out. Revelation chapter 3. Is that he who began a good work in you is faithful to finish that work. He is faithful to complete it in the day of Christ. <clears throat> he will never leave you or forsake you. He will never walk out on you. And though you may have committed a sin today, you see, I might, I might be talking, and it might just be hitting you left and, and right and, and right and left, and you just you're getting beat up because you failed. You're getting beat up because you've you you you've you've laid down on the job. You, you care more about work. You care more about games. You care more about women. You care more about porn. You care more about money. You care more about fame. You care more about success. And your wife and your family or your husband and your family has suffered the consequences. There is no sin that Christ cannot pay for. There is no sin that Christ cannot redeem from. There is no situation that he can't overcome. There is no circumstance that he can't overwhelm. There is no heart that he cannot change. My God is able. He really is. He really is. And the same God of Revelation chapter 1 that gives the information that we need, that gives the power that we need, that gives the sword of the Spirit that will be used to slay the enemy is the same God here today. I had a man tell me a while ago, I think he's still here. Steeped in sin. Said, I need something to happen today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And for those of you here who you're struggling because of, of pain and, and despair and, and maybe you've lost someone to sickness or death or maybe you've lost someone to sin and lust. Maybe you've lost someone because the world's just sucked them up. The best place you can be is on your knees. On your face where you stand, on your knees up here, it don't matter. Get into the presence of the Lord God Almighty. The one who reveals the mystery. The one who holds those stars. You see, those messengers of the churches, they are held in his strong hand. If you're a child of God, and, and Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 tells us that the saints of God, who are the true believing children of God, that they are the stars in the sky. And those are the same stars that Jesus Christ in Revelation is holding in his hand. And also the same people in his hand that he says that the ones that the Father has given to me, I will raise them up on the last day and no one will take them out of my hand. This great God, this great King, isn't he good? He shows us, he leads us, he guides us, he empowers us to overcome the evil one. 
This morning, all I ask is that you just lay down at his feet. Lay down at his feet like John and receive the gospel and let it pick you back up again. Respond to the Lord however he's called you to respond. I pray for you today. I know there's so much pain out there. I wish I could just, I wish I could just take it away. I do. But I know the one who can. I know the one who, it may not get better immediately. The Lord may have a plan for that pain. But I know the one that can sustain and give great joy in the midst of the most horrific storms. Look to Christ. Look to Christ, the angel of the Lord.